Should we be erecting statues to Satan? Just who is Satan? Is he misunderstood or is he really the Prince of Darkness? On this slice of fresh bread. Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. Pastor Brandon, Pastor Keith. Well, thanks for clicking on Fresh Bread, Fresh Bread Podcast 45. Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world. I'm Pastor Keith. He's Pastor Brandon. Today, we're going to talk about Satan and what's going on in Iowa. I know it's a little bit older news now, but it's still in the news where they had a display of Satan because they had all the other displays. They had a nativity. And, and so to be fair, somebody put up a display of Satan. And so I thought, Pastor Brandon, it'd be good to talk about Satan in a biblical way because we are bringing the truth of God's word to a starving world. So to just start this out, it's been kind of a weird scene there in Iowa. Help us to understand just who is Satan. Well, Satan is certainly a, a, a fallen angel. He represents really all that's evil. He's an evil angel who has fallen because of his pride. I think the Bible also depicts that he's the prince of the power of the air, meaning it's what Paul, how Paul describes him in, in Ephesians 2, 1. He's been given not sovereignty, but he's been given power, you know, over this current world. But we have to recognize that it's not a situation where, you know, he has power like God has power. This is not a yin and yang type situation. It's not a situation where, you know, there's evil and there's good and they're equal and they're fighting against each other. It's in canceling one another out. It is that God is sovereign over all, even even using Satan for his purposes and to ultimately bring him glory. But in doing so, Satan for for this period of time has been given power over this world. He's the power of darkness and again for God's glory, for God's, you know, God is is has done this so that so that for his purposes. Yeah, I mean, I think that de- definitely the Bible speaks of him as a as an adversary. I mean, as a foe. He's not for us. He's against us. And you know, as Christians. So is he the originator of evil? Did he is he the one that came up with evil? That's interest. That's an interesting question. I mean, he. I think he came. His fall came first. He's the one who fell. In that sense, I. I don't know if we could say that he's the originator of evil. Well, we know that God is only good. God did not create evil. That's right. So Satan, because of his pride, like you said, fell. And then from there on, his mission is to try to thwart God, which he can't do, but he's trying. He wanted to be worshipped, right? He wanted to be like God and be worshipped. You know, it talks about that in Isaiah, where the I am's. I will be like the Most High, which means he, he can't be more than God. There is a this misnomer, and I think you can address this as well, that God and Satan are kind of on equal playing fields, like they're they're equal in strength. Yeah, and that's not true. Right. Yeah, that, that's what I, what I was saying. It's not a yin and yang type situation. God is sovereign over all, and, and he's using, he, he is literally using Satan for his purposes, and ultimately for the for the good for good and you know that's hard for us to see from our point of view and how we're you know from our perspective it's hard to see how god is using 
evil for good, but you know, it's, it's the Genesis 50, 20, you meant it, you meant it for evil, you know, Joseph talking to his brothers, but God meant it for good. And so, you know, the, the way the brothers, they sold, you know, Joseph into slavery in Egypt, you know, they, they meant that for an, as an evil act, but God meant that same act that was, uh, that was evil against Joseph. God meant it for, for good, for not just Joseph, but for, for Israel, for, for his people. And so, you know, it's not a situation at all where it's, you know, 50-50. It's not a situation where, you know, there's good and there's evil and they're equal. It's not that. It's, you know, God is good and he's overall, he's sovereign, and he uses evil. Not that he's the author of evil, but he uses it for, ultimately, for good. And Satan can't create anything. He's not, he's, he was an archangel, but he can't create something out of nothing like God can do. He can only take what God has created. Yeah, I mean, he, he, like, he's not omniscient. Yeah. You know, he, I, I'd reject that he can know my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Now, he's pretty smart in terms of, you know, in terms of being able to figure things out. I mean, I, he, he sort of knows the patterns, I think, you know, in terms of who we are and how we respond. And so, you know, he knows how to deceive us and he's done, been doing that since the beginning. I mean, John, John eight forty four. you are of your father, the devil, and you uh, want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Wherever he speaks it a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's our Lord speaking. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's how he describes him. And, you know, so, but it's, it's a situation, it, again, it's a situation where, it, you know, God is in full control of, of him. It's interesting because in Matthew, in Matthew 3, you know, Satan go, comes to the Lord and tempts him, you know, tempts the Lord. And, and you know, there's th- the three temptations. And the thing is, is that, that the Lord was never in danger of sinning. Like, it was, the Lord was never in danger of falling for the devil's lies because of, because of who he is. I mean, as deity, he was never, I mean... The Lord Jesus is unable to lie. He's unable to do those things. He's unable to to sin, and so he was never in danger of that. But the temptations were real because of Jesus's humanity, and and ultimately God used those things and to, for ultimate good. And I think that's what we have to keep coming back to, is that God is using Satan for ultimate good. That God uses. Even though the evil that Satan intends is truly evil, that God uses that same evil for good purposes. Yeah, and another thing that's kind of out there with Satan is that he's misunderstood, that really he's the one that's trying to free us from God's law. Mm. He wants us to be free. Mm-hmm. So it's almost, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Fred Claus, where Vince Vaughn is Santa Claus's older brother. And so there are some people that look at Satan and Christ as bro- They were brothers. I think the Mormons believe this, don't they? I think so, yeah. And one was, you know, kind of the perfect kid and grew up and became God's favorite. And the other one sort of went his way. But really, there he's misunderstood. And that is absolutely not true, is it? No, no, it's not true. I mean, it. The, I mean, the John eight forty four. I just read. I mean, Jesus says he was a liar from the beginning. I mean, he's the father of lies. There's no truth in him, and so I anything that ascribes anything good to him would be an absolute lie. 
And there's no there's no good in him, and and he doesn't mean anything for good. And to think so would be would be certainly a great great disservice to who God is and and the holiness of God. And you know it's interesting because he he's been a deceiver from the very beginning. I mean he's deceived deceived the woman, and and we see that he. he you know, he said, did God really say? I mean, he questioned, you know, did he questioned God's word. He questioned, you know, the goodness of God in doing so. And, you know, we have to recognize that he is pure, pure evil. Right. And he, we talked about this on our, our podcast about Israel, and he has always hated the Jewish people ever since, you know, God brought them out of Egypt. He's been trying to thwart God's plans by setting all these all these obstacles in Israel's way going into the land even with when Joshua took them in they had to go and and fight all these other people who had moved in there that Satan I think had had put in there and we talk about giants and things like that and the nephilim and all these weird things but but a lot of that stuff was Satan trying to to uh, put up these walls so that the, the um, Jewish people could not take the land and we see it today with this anti-Semitic things going around. It's just this hatred of, of the Jewish people. And Satan is behind all of this. And we know that he's the ruler of this world, but he really wants to rule, actually rule. And we, we see in, in Scripture how in, during the end times, he is going to get that chance for a short time, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if I take a, I take a premillennial view uh, with a tribulational period, seven-year tribulational period, tribulation period, and and he is going to be given power in in that time period, and and yes, I think that's going to be a time of of ultimate evil. It's going back to your to your comments about Israel. I think that's a great point that Satan hates God's people or hates Israel, and I think it's. I mean, I think that that was first and foremost because. The, God's people, Israel, is where the Messiah was prophesied to come from, and so, so I mean, he poured out that hate on them. I think that now, you know, I take a I take a premill view, and so I I think he knows that when you know that that there's going to be this time set up where where Israel will be restored to the land. Um, there will be the nations that will be streaming to Israel. And I think he knows that that's the beginning or that is the end for him. And so, you know, if he can thwart that, if he can keep it from happening, then he's going to do everything he can. And, but here's what we have to recognize again, that in God's sovereignty, he uses that hate, that hate for his people, Israel, to cleanse his people. That ultimately all of everything that's happening in the world against Israel is ultimately going to have a cleansing effect. And I would, I would argue that, that it's going to come down to, you know, Paul says that all Israel will be saved. I think that there's going to come a point in time when the 144,000 that's prophesied or shown in, in, in Revelation, that those 144,000 will be the 12 tribes of Israel that mm. are cleansed and they will, be, they will be followers of Christ. They will proclaim Christ as their Messiah and you will see a, a cleansed Israel, if you will, an Israel that's been prepared for uh, what's going to happen in the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, of an Israel that God can use in that, you know, in that way. And so, and the nations are going to stream to Israel and to Jerusalem, and 
those are they're going to serve him, you know, as priests, and and I, I think that's you know going to be the culmination, and what we're going to see in the thousand year reign is this incredible period of time on earth that where Christ is reigning from Jerusalem with his people Israel, the nations are going to be streaming to to Jerusalem to Israel as the as the beacon, if you will, and it's going to spread throughout the earth, and there's going to be this incredible period of time that's described by the prophets that. You know, it's going to be you know this amazing time where Christ rules the the world, and you know, but ultimately it's going to lead to you know the eternal state and the new heavens and new earth. But but yes, God is using right now, and and what I see scripturally, God is using this period of time, this hate for Israel. He's using, and he's going to ultimately use the evil against Israel for their good, for the world's good. You know, Paul even talks about that in Romans 11. So when Israel is restored, how great it's going to be for the rest of the world because of who they are and what God is doing with it. So yes, God still uses you know Satan's hate for his people and ultimately is going to turn that for good. How about the church? Satan is not really fond of the church either, is he? No, no, he's not. No, it, you know, Peter says he's a he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for those who can devour and and yeah, I think he's definitely a roaring lion lion that's wanting to devour the church. And yeah, I think has had some success in in not the true church, but in the visible church has had certainly had some success in in destroying, you know, the those who would name Christ. And yeah, I, ultimately his, you know, Christ people can't be destroyed. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that, yeah. but I'm ter- I'm talking about at least the outward visible church has certainly been there's certainly been issues caused by Satan. You know, God ultimately, Ephesians 6, God ultimately protects his people. You know, he's going to, you know, he gives us the armor that we need to be protected. You know, he, he does those things. He's protecting us. And and he, he you know, his people, I, I would firmly believe, he, you know, they his people that are in his hand can't be snatched out of his hand. There's not, they, you know, Satan can only do, you know, the book of Job demonstrates this. Satan can only do what God allows him to do. God let Satan do a lot in that, you know, to Job, obviously, but he didn't, he wasn't allowed to take his life. And so, and we see that, you know, through book of the book of Job. And so God, he has his limits. God certainly doesn't allow him to go, to go past the boundary, if you will. Yeah. And he, he's definitely doing to the church what he did to Eve. And he's, he's asking a lot of I guess modern progressive pastors is is this truly God's word? Is this really what God said? And you you can see how some pastors are moving away from the truth of God's word and kind of embracing the world and we see the worldliness enter into the church and becoming a part of the church which is what it's not supposed to be. Yeah, I mean uh, there's a subtle ways that that's happening in terms of adopting the world's ways and and looking like the world, you know, whether it be a seeker sensitive type situation where the, you know, it's a subtle, more subtle change, but then there's also things that are not so subtle with, you know, questioning whether homosexuality is a sin, you know, questioning whether or not some of the worldly things that are out there that we certainly as Christians shouldn't be embracing, you know, beginning to embrace those things. And so, so definitely the attack is strong on the church, and yeah. you know, and uh, but we should expect that. Yeah. One last thing about a little background on Satan: Does he wear like long red underwear and have a pitchfork? I remember when I was a kid. I remember when I was a kid. I had a had a friend of the family, my mother's friend, and she'd always tell me that you know if I if I keep 
if I keep doing the wrong thing, that Satan's going to stick me with his pitchfork. And I, I actually believe that. But no, of course not. I mean, I think it for sure Satan is not what is being described in you know by the by the culture you know whether it be a pitchfork or whether it be the in a red suit or whatever you know whatever the the depiction is in in popular culture you know satan satanly is cer- certainly not those things yeah he's an angel he was yes. an archangel yes and he was it says it talks about him being the most beautiful yeah, angel he was beautiful yeah absolutely so okay well that's that's some background on Satan. So, what should what should we as believers think about state legislatures depicting or building or displaying a, a or allowing it to be displayed or allowing it to a yeah. display of I don't even know if you can call it Satan because it's did you see the thing in Iowa? It had like yeah. a goat head with a white yeah. yellow a red robe and basically an image that that is supposed to stand for satanic say yeah. Satan and. You know, it, Satan doesn't look like that. It's a pagan idol. Yeah, I mean, I, I there's there's a big question in that in that situation. We we had a podcast. It's been several months ago now, where we talked about the law and and God and who God is and the character of God and you know that anywhere that where a nation's laws reflect who God is and is and His law, is, that nation is going to prosper, right? If 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 we, you know, God is God has displayed His character in His creation, and He's and that is reflected in His law. You know, Thou shalt not, you know, all the, the the ultimately the Ten Commandments, where a nation's actual laws reflect the Ten Commandments, which then reflect God's character, and really reflect how the world works and how the world is put together by God in wisdom. And then that nation is going to flourish to the level that they do that. And and historically, we've seen the United States follow basically the Ten Commandments and its judicial system, its laws, system of laws, is, you know, in terms of legislative laws. And and you know, we've we've upheld the you know God's law in general. And you know, where we devi- where we deviate from that, you know, the Lord is going to we're not going to do well. I mean, mm-hmm. the Lord is not going to bless that those things. And and so when you when you ask about a situation like this, I mean, you know, people will say, well, it's the separation of church and state, and it's it's you know we're just they're, they're ultimately trying to make a point that there's free speech and and those sorts of things. But I think that what as Christians, what we have to hold on to is that you know Josiah, what did Josiah do? And 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 I think it's second Second Kings eighteen, I think is what it words at where Josiah tore down the high places and, mm. you know, and, and God blessed that. I mean, you, you know, there was a resurgence of godliness. There was a resurgence of interest in who the Lord was. And I think God blessed that. And any, any of the, if you go back through Israel's history and you see any of the Kings that, that did right in, in the sight of the Lord, good things happened to Israel. And so, you know, I think that, I mean, I think that's a pattern. I mean, we're not Israel. I mean, the, the United States is not, not Israel, but I think it's a pattern that we need to recognize is that, you know, when we obey God, when we, when our laws reflect his goodness and reflect his, you know, his commandments, then ultimately he's going to bless us as a nation. And so what we have to recognize is that, is that this is a reflection of where we are as a people. So the Mm -hmm. fact that there's a, there's a Satan display, a, a display that, that depicts Satan 
is a reflection of where people are in this nation. And you can say, you can ask whether it was right or wrong, but ultimately the bigger issue is, is that we see who people, you know, the true heart of people that are, that are bringing these things up, you know, forward and, and causing these things to happen. It's like John Adams said that our constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And so, I mean, he, he recognized that, that the constitution would not be able to withstand, you know, the, uh, if, if evil people, you know, the, as we move or gravitate toward being that in that direction that the constitution wouldn't be able to stand up to it and and i think that's what we're seeing is mm-hmm. people doing away with the constitution and doing away with you know what what really you know what the what the framers really meant in terms of what you know how they how they came up with what they did and what we're seeing that it, we're seeing that systematically brought down systematically you know, like taken apart and and that's what's happening in this, in this world, and so it's going to be hard to look to the Constitution in that sense because because they're not going to follow, they're certainly not going to follow the intent of it. You know, there's this idea of it being a living, you know, a living document, and so it basically changes with the times. And you know, that's not that's not what the framers meant. You know, that's not how they that's not how they set it up. I mean, they had an intent, and they they had a intent of how it was going to how we were going to be governed, but that was never, that was never going to be adequate for what we see today in terms of people trying to tear, tear it down. So as Christians, so do we have to just allow it? It's a first amendment thing, right? Where you, you, if there's a nativity scene and somebody wants to put up a satanic display, is that, is that the right way to look at it? Is that you have to allow that? I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that as people, we need to, we need to let people know, I mean, that, that we need to be, I mean, in, in the words of John Adams, I mean, we need to be a moral people and a religious people. And, you know, I think we need to let our representatives and those who are in charge know that we're not, this is not acceptable. I mean, this is not acceptable behavior that, that you know, even in our founding documents and the you know the Declaration of Independence, it talks about our Creator. You know that we're endowed in inalienable rights by our Creator, but we need to recognize as Christians, you know, those who love the Bible, love His Word, that you know we need to we need to understand what that actually means. That that government needs to reflect His character. The government, the laws need to reflect His character. And I don't, I don't think that we should sit by and and say, oh well. You know, because it's kind of a tit for tat. Because you know, we have a nativity scene that we have to allow this this Satan worship. You know, thing. I don't think that's I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case. I think that we need to stand up and say no. And you know, this guy that did this. You know, it's hard to it's hard to. I mean, it he it was an act of civil disobedience, and I think he's making his you know his uh, worldview known. You know that he's gonna that he doesn't appreciate you know, that, that this, this type of action, you know, in terms of what's going on and he's going to, he's willing to take the consequences for it. And, you know, and, and I think he should, I mean, in terms of we're a nation of laws and I think he should take the consequences as they come, but I think it should be, you know, obviously worked out in a court of law and, and whatever the people say needs to happen ultimately needs to happen. And so hopefully I'm hopeful that, I'm hopeful that he'll be, you know, exonerated for what he did. I'm hopeful that he'll be, 
you know, willing, obviously willing to stand trial and, and, and be exonerated for what he did because I think what he did was right. And I think he was right to be civilly disobedient in that. Okay, so that's something you wouldn't have done if you had had the chance. <laughs> Would you have done it, Keith? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I, I as but, a look- I, well, I, I don't. I, here's the thing. I don't necessarily. I would I have done that. I I don't. I didn't feel. I didn't feel a call when I heard about this. I didn't feel this call to go to Iowa and tear that thing down. Uh, did I think it was right to have it up? No, I didn't. But I didn't have this. I didn't feel called by the Lord to go do this. And so, but I'm certainly. You know, I when it, you look at what he what he did, I mean, he felt compelled to do it. And, and I think he was, I think it, because his conscience told him to do it, he, you know, obviously he did it. Would I have done it? Probably not. It's funny. Yeah. It was, it was a 35 year old guy named Michael Cassidy from Lauderdale, Mississippi. Yes. He drove all the way up there and, and destroyed it. What I'm thinking is, is this is, is this kind of a case of, I don't know if you ever saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where Paul Newman as Butch Cassidy, he comes back to the to the gang and and he's and somebody all of a sudden wants to challenge him for the leadership and one guy goes you did say any of us could challenge you butch and he said well that's because i didn't think any of you would <laughs> so it's just one of those things where in the american constitution we have you have the freedom to display things but we didn't think anybody would want to display satan i mean so so it's kind of like well what do you do do you allow that or do you take the nativity scene out then into it, but I'm kind of with you. I stand and say, look, the satanic stuff is too weird. Even these, we 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 have, we can talk about it as well. These Satan clubs that they have after school now. Yeah, uh, I don't know. How many, I don't know how many. Well, it's people. the same organization. It's yeah. the Satanic Temple, whatever it is, there in Iowa that sponsored these after school clubs. You know, with with Satan and and you know, I think that parents need to let their. I think in those situations. People need to let their thoughts be known, right? Those things are wrong, and and they we shouldn't. I don't think we should say, "Oh, well, you know." I don't think we should accommodate as a people. And if we're going to be a moral and religious people, and we understand God's law, and we understand, you know, the the nature of idols, and I I think we need to stand up and say, "This is wrong. It's evil," and you know, because God says it's evil. And I think that to the extent that we do that, the, that is to the extent that, you know, obviously obeying his law is going to create, I, I say obviously, I, I'm, um, but obeying his law is going to create us, you know, we're going to flourish if we obey his law. And so, you know, as, as our laws reflect his laws, as our actions reflect his character, we're going to flourish. I mean, that's just the way the Lord has made the world to be. And so, you know, that's outside of someone, you know, who actually has come to a saving knowledge of Christ. But we're talking about common grace now, and and you know, the to the to the point of of reflecting His law, of reflecting His character, then you know, we're going to flourish as a people. And I think it's right and good for people to stand up and say, "This is not right." I mean, this is not this doesn't reflect God's character, and we shouldn't stand for this as a as a moral. Using John Adams' words, as a moral and religious people, isn't it kind of weird though that when you look at this situation, when you you have all these protesters pulling down statues of you know like General Lee and all this stuff, and even the founding fathers, and then now they're erecting displays to Satan. It just seems 
that's like a double stand. It's a weird. Well, again, it goes back to John Adams and, yeah. and the moral and religious people. Our constitution was never designed to govern a people who weren't moral and religious or and and had you know the ability to to discern right and wrong and you know biblically and. So, I mean, we've had a society like that, but we're moving further. We, you know, we are in a post-Christian society at this mm-hmm. point. I know, you know, my post-millennials friends would like to think that, you know, things are going to get better, but, uh, and this, this is just a blip in, you know, on the, on the radar. But in my opinion, it's, it's, you know, things are going from bad to worse using Paul's words, the apostle Paul. And so I'm not surprised. I think we're going to see, you know, light and darkness. We're going to see more conflict. You know, more and more conflict as we as we approach twenty twenty four. I don't expect it to be any better than twenty twenty three. You know, mm-hmm. in, in you know twenty, we've every year that goes by. I think it's going to get worse and worse, and the conflict's going to get greater and greater. All right. Any final thoughts on Satan? Well, Lucifer, the devil, Beelzebub, Christians. How should we respond? And I and. You know, I would argue, by and large, the response should be that that we need to we need to be in church. <laughs> we need to be learning His Word. We need to be praying. We need to be raising our families, and and we need to be doing the things that the Lord would have us do in those ways. And you know, if we find ourselves in a specific situation, you know, where where we're expected to, you know, as an example, we go back to the, we go back to the COVID situation and, you know, being told to shut your church down or being told how to worship, being told, you know, being dictated in those ways, we should, you know, obviously make a stand and and that stand would be publicly and politically. I mean, in terms of if, if we find ourselves in that specific situation, but but by and large, as Christians, I mean, we need to be aware of what's going on. We know we need to be we need to be wise to what's happening, and and we need to have a and we need to have a worldview that's a that's a biblical worldview, and and we need to make sure that we're looking at things biblically, so so that when these things come to our doorstep, we have we have the answers, and we're not just sheep that are going to slaughter, that we actually are you know, we actually have the answers and we know what biblically we should be doing in terms of, in terms of how we should be responding. You know, I think it was Bonhoeffer that talked about, you know, the, the danger of stupid people, you know, that, and, you know, and I, I know that sounds harsh, but, but we don't want to be stupid people. Mm-hmm. We want to be, we want to be wise people, people who are wise to, to what God's word says. And we need to be able to be people who can discern the lies that are out there and, you know, and be able to stand up for the truth. Um, and certainly, you know, the way we do that is we prepare ourselves and, you know, biblically, we prepare ourselves in prayer. We, we are those who are, you know, cultivating, you know, being a good husband, being a good wife, being, a, a, you know, a, a good father, being a good mother, you know, having a family and taking care of our family and, being in a church and serving in the church and and loving the body of Christ and and you know having that local body that we can be encouraged by you know those are the things that you know sharing the gospel being evangelistic you know in terms of in you know in our workplace and in you know in the in the city that we live in and and you know and beyond as we give up op- or give an opportunity 
But those are the things, those are the greatest responses that we can have to these things. And, and like I say, when we find ourselves in those positions where we're actually put in a position politically or in, you know, in a public situation, because we prepared ourselves, because we are living in the way that we're living, uh, hopefully, you know, prayerfully, our response will be a godly response. And, Mm. you know, like as an example, James Coates and, you know, in terms of his church in Canada or, you know, you know, John MacArthur and, you know, the central church and what, you know, what happened there and how they came together. Hopefully we can make those right decisions and, and, and live according to God and his word, even when persecution comes. So. Yeah. Amen to that. And yeah. So as we look at, as we wrap this up, as we look at Satan, we, we don't fear him. We don't mess around with him. We let God take care of him. He's not a little guy in, in red underwear with a pitchfork. He is an angel, an archangel, and he he's trying to set up his own kingdom so people worship him, and he wants to take as many people to the lake of fire with him as he, as the, as he possibly can, right? That's, that's what he's wanting to do is uh, take down as many as he can, obviously. And don't fall for the fact that he's misunderstood and he's trying to free us from God's tyranny. It's the other way around. He is actually wants to enslave us to him and sin. Christ is the one, the one who wants to free us from that. Absolutely. It's yeah. He does. He does. He has a good PR guy because he has a. People are starting to fall for this stuff, and it's been around for six thousand years. <laughs> like you said, he's been around a long time. He he knows he knows our weaknesses. It's wrong for us to glorify Satan in any way. You know, mm-hmm. even even for political purposes, because you know that we we serve the God of the of creation. We serve the Creator, and and you know He's given us certain inalienable rights that come from Him. I mean, it's not like I mean they originate from Him, and you know for us to for us to allow you know this Satan thing without you know any pushback, without you know just say well they you need to get their equal time. That doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You know, God is the God of creation. God is a jealous God. And we need, as Christians that, that know the truth, we need to recognize that and be willing to say, look, this is wrong. This is not, this is not good. And, and it's going to lead to the demise, ultimately, of the nation if this is the route that we're going to continue to go on. Like you said, we're living in a post-Christian nation, and we were designed, the Republic is designed to have people who know what's going on, they're able to vote, and and they have that moral compass of Christianity, hopefully, that that can guide them to, to do this. And without that, there's no way a Republican survive. Well, hopefully this was informative on Satan and what's going on. Just some weird stuff going on in our world today. Well, there's definitely no no shortage of topics for fresh yeah. bread. The new year, we're gonna we have a lot of topics, so we'll get we'll get hopping on that. Yep. And uh, so anyway, yeah, you want to go uh, want to go get something to eat? I just got a craving for a sandwich. A craving want to go sandwich. get a devil ham? <laughs> You've been listening to Fresh Bread podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening. <laughs>